0: I think we'll go ahead and begin. So uh, let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing uh, on our study this evening. Our Father in heaven, how we praise thee and thank thee for thy great love for us, uh, for uh, thy care, and especially how we thank Thee for uh, covenanting with Thy Son to bear our sin and to carry that sin away by way of the punishment which the Lord Jesus bore on our behalf. And we ask, Lord, that Thou would lift up our hearts in uh, thanksgiving and that our hope uh, and trust would be Uh, firmly planted in thee Uh, Lord it is it is that um, hope that keeps us going hope of heaven uh, the hope of thy care for us in the future and never abandoning uh, nor forsaking us we ask Lord to bless this time of study from thy word again we need thee thy spirit we pray would come and would uh, attend uh, unto the reading and the teaching of thy word. Uh, Lord, uh, cleanse us of our sin, that, uh, Lord, our own, our own um, um, infractions of thy law would not prevent us from hearing and being able to uh, apply thy word. Thank thee, our God, for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, turn with me in your Bibles um, to John 14. And uh, we covered last time verses 1 through 3. And we're going to focus on verses 4 through 11 this evening. But I'm going to just uh, read beginning with verse 1. So, verses 1 through 11. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, Ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. just quickly by way of review in verses 1 through 3 but even uh, before that this is uh, what we call the upper room discourse Uh, it's the uh, discourse the teaching that the Lord Jesus gave to his apostles after the the Lord's Supper was instituted and uh, this discourse lasts until the end of this chapter, uh, because at the very end of the chapter, verse 31 of John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, Arise, let us go hence. So these are, these are words that the Lord gave uh, to his disciples uh, to um, hear and to be taught by just before he was arrested later on that same night. In in this uh, discourse, and beginning with uh, chapter 14, verse 1, you, you notice the concern of the Lord Jesus is that his disciples not be overwhelmed, that his uh, disciples not be overcome. He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. Why would their heart be troubled? Well, uh, just prior to that, in the previous chapter, uh, Jesus had... Uh, notified one of them would betray him Uh, and uh, that obviously would cause uh, some significant concern moreover he had uh, said that uh, peter was going to deny even knowing jesus three times one of you know one of the three peter james and john that jesus separated from the other disciples to only see, for example, when the um, 12-year-old girl was raised from the dead, only Peter, James, and John went into the room with Jesus. Uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured, uh, Peter, James, and John um, were those. So here's one of the closest of the apostles. And Jesus says, you're going to be ta- uh, uh, deny knowing me three times tonight, before the night's over. Um, Obviously, that's going to cause some trouble in their hearts. What's going on here? Um, Moreover, and and this likewise very significant, Jesus uh, had uh, declared to them in the first three verses here, uh, well, at the end of chapter 13 and into the first three verses, that he was going to be leaving them. Uh, that he was not going to be with them uh, bodily. Uh, he was going to be departing. He tells us in verse uh, one, he's, uh, or in verse two of chapter fourteen, he's going to his father's house. That's where he's going to. But he says, "You can't follow right. Follow me right now." This again uh, is what the disciples are going through and saying. Uh, this is all very troubling this this news. And so Jesus is spending these first few verses here in chapter 14 seeking to comfort them, seeking to settle their hearts uh, so that they are not overwhelmed and overcome. He's not abandoning them. Uh, rather, he is he's preparing them. He's not abandoning them or forsaking them. He's preparing them uh, for his departure and seeking to uh, comfort their hearts so that they, again, uh, don't feel like here's a parent, like a parent leaving their children um, and uh, forsaking them. Uh, Jesus is seeking to tell them here, um, that's not what I'm doing. I'm really simply going to prepare spiritually a place for you so that you might be with me in heaven Uh, forever and ever so verse 4 Jesus continues and he says and whither I go ye know and the way ye know because uh, in verse 5 Thomas says Lord um, we don't know where you're going and uh, how can we know the way Uh, that's the question that he asked we'll look at that in a moment but But in anticipating that question, we don't really know, then what does Jesus mean, you know? (laughs) And then Thomas says, no, we don't know. And so, uh, did they know where Jesus was going? Uh, In fact, uh, he had taught them. For example, in John chapter 7, verses 33 through 34, the Lord Jesus Says publicly, this was uh, in the hearing of the disciples. This was to the Pharisees. Uh, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come. But he says, and then I go unto him that sent me. They knew again, the disciples knew who had sent Jesus, that the Father had sent Jesus. Jesus is saying publicly uh, that even though he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's speaking publicly. They should have the disciples should have known and you know when in John fourteen, when Jesus says, Whither I go ye know, and the way ye know, uh, they should have known. Uh, this doesn't mean that they uh, that they didn't know perhaps they didn't remember but they, they should have known where Jesus was going uh, that was again due to their own forgetfulness not due to the fact that he had not revealed to them furthermore he had just said to them uh, just uh, the immediate uh, two verses before uh, that that uh, uh, in my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where? In my father's house. Where's my father's house? It's in heaven. So again, um, the fact that uh, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, um, doesn't mean that the Lord had not told them. Uh, it just means that they were slow to learn or to remember what the Lord had said. He had told them. He had been, in fact, preparing them for his departure uh, a number of times. In Matthew 16, 21, he he told them in other places uh, before this uh, time in John 14, he had told them that he was going to be crucified, put to death, he was going to be buried, he was going to be raised from the dead. He had told them several times. Uh, But again, it appears very confusing. Veniently, they, they have uh, forgotten it does not appear here that uh, uh, in verse 4 at least uh, Jesus is uh, it doesn't appear he's scolding his, his disciples as much as to stir them up uh, to remember what he has taught to them in the past uh, you know how forgetful we are to remember uh, what we have learned, right? As Christians, um, the Lord is very patient with us. How much have we learned, and how much do we apply of what we've learned? Um, the, the apostles, the disciples, uh, were falling into that. It seems uh, quite often, uh, as far as uh, having forgotten not applying the things that, that they had learned. And, uh, and yet the Lord uh, doesn't berate them. Uh, he doesn't uh, rake them over the coals. Uh, he doesn't uh, shout and scream at them. Uh, even when he scolds them, even when he corrects them and rebukes them, he does so uh, in, in a gentle way. It seems, in comparison to what perhaps we think, you know, if uh, how they should have been rebuked or corrected. And, you know, that's that's very encouraging, it seems, and it ought to be to us because um, I I know uh, how little, um, in comparison to what I know, uh, how little. Of all that I have learned, that I daily, how much I forget. I I, I know how much I should remember. I know that that uh, there is there is much uh, more that I should remember that I don't. And and again, I uh, the things that that I do forget, uh, that's a part of going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I forgot again, or I. Uh, Even worse, not only I I forgot, but I knew and I did it, contrary to what um, uh, I knew I should have done. And so, again, I I just find uh, it very helpful to see how the Lord Jesus deals with his own apostles. They had spent day and night, three and a half years with the Lord Jesus. With Jesus! (laughs) You know, Better teacher than that? Better preacher than that? No one. A better example than Jesus? Absolutely not. And yet, how they stumbled and how they faltered is is just amazing. You know, we we look at that and yet the Lord Jesus, is, as I said, is not raking them over the coals. Uh, He is very, very tender. Perhaps the sharpest rebuke get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, it was spoken to Peter um, because he was playing uh, the adversary uh, to uh, Jesus as, as, uh, as Satan would in seeking to say, Lord, you're not going to, go to actually go to the cross. Uh, you're not actually going to die there. You're not actually uh, going to go through that kind of suffering. And uh, Jesus rebuked him very, very severely, but again, in love. But most of the correction is, is uh, uh, quite amazing uh, that we find here. That's, that's again, um, why does the fourth commandment begin with remember? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Because we forget what the Sabbath is all about we forget that it is to be a holy time devoted to God. Uh, It's not not a day of pleasure. It's not a day of recreation. It's not to be a day of work uh, that we um, can do the other six days of the week. Uh, But it is a day set apart unto God. And again, we have to be reminded. That's why God... uh, um, place that does that mean that it's more important the other commandments no but i think god uh placed the word remember there not because it it's any different by way of obligation than the other nine commandments but i think he knows our weakness in that area uh uh, even as believers and uh, so the remember is very very important to keep the sabbath day holy um in verse five, John fourteen five, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? So Jesus, or Thomas here, uh, just like Peter, contradicted Jesus when Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him three times, and uh, Peter. Uh, said, no, that, that's not going to happen. I would die for you, Lord. I, I, so I would never, ever deny knowing you. Uh, so likewise, Thomas here contradicts the Lord. The Lord has just said, you know, the way, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And uh, Thomas says, no, we don't. We don't know where you're going, Lord. And we don't know how to get there. Um, doubting Thomas <clears throat> as he's as he's called was a true believer uh, he did have particular uh, inclination in the gospel accounts uh, to doubt uh, when the Lord was raised from the dead uh, he again he didn't remember what Jesus had said he was going to be raised from the dead and because Thomas wasn't there the night in which Jesus had been raised the previous morning and he wasn't there with the other apostles and when Jesus appeared to the other apostles they told Thomas and he said I, I don't believe it I, I won't believe it unless I, I can actually feel the wounds then then I'll believe that he's been raised from the dead uh, that's that's the kind of doubting that he struggled with. I think that's what we're faced with here as well in chapter 14 when he says, Lord, we don't know the way. Um, we don't know how to get there. Uh, I think Thomas, uh, again, he's doubting, he's forgetting. Uh, but let's keep in mind, though that was something that... Thomas struggled with. Remember this, that um, at least according to an early church historian, Ephraim the Syrian, who lived from 306 to 373 AD, he records that Thomas ministered as far as India and was martyred there in 72 AD. He was willing to give up his life for jesus christ he was speared to death uh, according to uh, ephraim um, this uh, uh, early church historian whatever struggles thomas had with doubt throughout those struggles not to justify them not to condone them as being it's okay to doubt jesus no it's not okay to doubt jesus Those were his struggles, though. Those were what he wrestled with. Ours may be doubts, or our struggles might be in other areas. Thomas, in spite of that, was upheld by the Lord Jesus. He was upheld by Christ because his faith was in Jesus Christ. It may have been weak at this point in his Christian life. But he was a true believer, though he struggled. And he was upheld and died a faithful witness for Jesus Christ, a martyr. One commentator noted that Thomas is like believers who hunt for their keys when they have the keys in their pocket. Um, Thomas had the truth and yet he was searching for the truth. Jesus had revealed to Thomas where he was going and how to get there, and yet he was searching for the truth, like you know having keys in your pocket and and uh, wondering where your keys are and so again this this is uh I think true of uh, of Thomas that's something I think we should all pray very much. About ourselves, that we uh, that what we have learned would not be neatly tucked away uh, in a dusty room of our mind. Uh, very seldom that truth to be pulled out of that dusty room and and uh, considered, but that the truth that we have be a library that we are visiting, throughout the week that we are meditating on that we don't forget that we don't leave a part of the library there just to collect a certain amount of knowledge that God has given to us and not act upon it that is again like having all this knowledge in a library in books and just forgetting about it or acting as though it doesn't even exist That's going to make us, as Christians, if that's the way that we approach knowledge, it's going to make us very uh, inconsistent. It's going to increase the struggles that we have. It's not going to make us more consistent, more faithful. It's going to—we're going to struggle if we're not taking, if we're not using the knowledge God has given to us, and applying applying it in our lives. We're going to be. Um, much more ineffective as Christians than we would otherwise be. If we take the knowledge, praise God for the knowledge, thank him for the knowledge, and use the knowledge. And ask him, Lord, uh, the things I've learned, let me not forget. Let me not, uh, due to uh, lack of use, just fall back into the background and and and. and Forget about it altogether. Help me to remember. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the knowledge God has given to us. Verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So in answer to the questions here Thomas asks. Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? This is the answer that Jesus gives. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So, let's look at these very briefly. I am the way. Jesus is here uh, making a very exclusive statement. He's not saying... uh, that he's one of the ways to the Father, uh, one of many ways, uh, he's claiming an exclusivity. He's saying, there is no other way. I am the only way to the Father. That is, through my death, through my burial, through my resurrection, through my ascension, through my enthronement in heaven. That's the only way to the Father, Is through me. It's a narrow way. And the world doesn't like a narrow way. Right? Most most people, again, um, they're fine with you believing what you want to believe as long as you do not say, it's the only way. It's the only truth. It's the only life. When, again, it becomes... That this is what you, too, if you would have life, must believe. You must believe in Jesus. There is no other way. When it becomes exclusive that way, that's when persecution comes our direction. As long as it is, you know, um, this is what I believe, you believe what you want to believe. uh, Usually there's no problem with that. But when we... Follow what Jesus says here I am the way, meaning the only way. I am the truth, the only truth. I am the life, the only life. That's when people take great offense, right? That's when they they come after us by way of words and actions. That's again we have to recognize but uh we don't have to be, uh, certainly shouldn't be belligerent, but we, we need to be wise. We need to be loving in how we share that truth. But we can't compromise that truth. That's, that's, uh, to compromise it would be to uh, deny what Jesus is saying. Um, that's what he says is absolutely right. It certainly is available The gospel, the good news is available to all who will come to Christ, but none will get to heaven by their own way, by their own religion, by their own philosophy. That's the lie of the devil. That's the deception that there are many ways. The truth is no, there's only one way. And if we miss that way, we've missed the only way to heaven the only way to the Father. I am the truth, Jesus says. In Colossians 2, 3, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus Christ. Not some, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So why would we go searching and dabbling in all these other false religions to find the truth when all wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus Christ. And this is his word, the Bible. And this is, again, how we uh, know what is right, what is wrong. This is how how we know how to be saved this is how we know how to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes, our families, and at work, in our relationships with one another. It's through his truth. It's through his word. In fact, Jesus is uh, the truth in that all of history, history, Before Jesus was born, history after Jesus was born. Jesus is the the central uh, truth of all history. Everything revolves around who Jesus is. Leading up to Jesus and following Jesus. It all points forward to Christ before the Lord Jesus was born. It all points back to Jesus after his death and his resurrection and ascension into heaven everything centers around the Lord Jesus you see such a claim I am the truth as Jesus makes here uh, that does not stand with the idea that as we often hear today that everyone has his or her own truth right that relativism um Truth is not uh, relativistic. Uh, It uh, is absolute. Um, And again, uh, people uh, today uh, do not want absolutes. Uh, They uh, abhor absolutes, the commandments. They abhor because they're absolute. God himself is absolute. Um, we want nothing therefore to do with God his truth is absolute and he doesn't change his mind what he reveals is revealed Uh, his word we're told in the Psalms is forever settled in the heavens Uh, God himself is unchangeable immutable Uh, therefore his truth that comes from him is unchangeable and is immutable but that, again, goes against the, the claim that people are comfortable with. That's your truth. Uh, this is my truth. Uh, everybody has their own truth. And again, that's, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus taught. If We're to be faithful to Christ. He is the way and he is the truth. You see, one cannot, and this is again... What a lot of people want to frame Jesus in, into their own uh, opinion, their own idea of what, who Jesus was. Many people want to believe, well, Jesus was a good man. They want to say, well, Jesus was a good moral teacher. But if they don't want to say that he is the truth and the only truth... Uh, then they uh, they can't simply affirm that he was a good man and that he was a good moral teacher because he didn't claim to be those things, just a good man or a good moral. He claimed to be God in the flesh. He claimed to be the only way, the only truth, the only only life. That's what he claimed to be. So... If somebody wants to say that Jesus was just a good man or a good moral teacher, and that's all they want to say about Jesus, uh, what we need to ask them, where did you get that from? How did you come up with that idea? Because that's not what Jesus himself said about himself. Uh, Where did you... Uh, where did you how do you frame that idea of Jesus? Shouldn't Jesus be able to speak for himself as to who He is and what he has said? The other one's if he's not the truth, then I submit he's a liar. And if he is a liar, if Jesus uh, is a liar, then he's neither a good man, nor a good moral teacher. He is either who he said he was, and if he isn't, then he's a liar. There aren't any other options. Um, And again, I don't think most people consider him to have been crazy or lunatic. So he's either telling the truth or he's lying. What, What are we going to say who Jesus is? Well, he said, I am the truth. We do not believe that he is therefore a liar and he's not simply a good man or a good moral teacher. He's the son of God. We either accept him as he has declared himself to be or we reject him for whom he declared himself to be. There's no neutral ground. Jesus says, Then I am the life. Again, Jesus declares with exclusive authority that he alone is the author of life. He's the author of life in creation. He is the word. All things came into being uh, because he brought them into being out of nothing. Jesus did. The Son of God did. And so he's the author of life. When he says, I am the life, he gives life. Life to everything comes from Jesus. He's the one who gave life originally as the Creator. And He's the one who gives life spiritually. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We can't, we have no uh, communion with God. We, we have no life with God spiritually. Uh, we are His enemies. We have gone our own way as rebels. Uh, We want nothing to do with him. We're dead spiritually until he gives us life, raises us spiritually from the dead, and only he can do that, and only he can give us eternal life that comes from Jesus. (laughs) Jesus demonstrated uh, that he is the life in his resurrection. Uh, He conquered death, and uh, because he conquered death, in his own uh, uh, case, he as well will conquer death uh, for all who believe and trust in him. Uh, he is the life. And he conquers death only for those who trust in him. In John eleven twenty five, 25, remember that the Lord Jesus said to Martha, Uh, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus alone. That's an exclusive claim that no one else uh, can lay claim to. Uh, That's very, very clear, I think, what the Lord Jesus is saying. And no man cometh to the Father, he says, uh, but by him, by, uh, through him, through faith, through trust in him. Sincerity uh, is often looked upon as being um, all that matters. Uh, sadly, that's what a lot of people think. If somebody is sincere, in their belief then God will accept them if they're just sincere regardless of what they believe but if they're simply sincere uh, that's not the basis Um, that doesn't save us sincerity doesn't save us Proverbs 14.12 says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof the ways of death Uh, there are many Sincere people who will spend all eternity in hell, because Jesus alone is the life. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way, except through Christ. That's it's the only, uh, the only one that the Father has given to pay the debt of sin. No one else. No matter how sincere somebody is, I can be as sincere. Uh, uh, to believe this pulpit can save me and I can just be very, very sincere but that pulpit isn't going to save me. Uh, People put their sincerity uh, in a lot of things but again we have to realize um, it's not sincerity that saves. It's the fact that Jesus died, his tomb is empty because he raised from, was raised from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of God. That's what separates Christianity from all other false religions, from all false religions, whether it be Judaism or Islam or any other religion. A resurrected Christ. He is alive. He proved that he was, that he was the Son of God and that everything that he said was true because he didn't remain in that tomb. He was raised as he said he would be raised as he indicated many times he would be raised so he was and he validated everything that he said it validated the fact that he died on a cross how do we know with absolute certainty uh, that our sins are forgiven well he didn't remain in the in the tomb He didn't remain in that grave. If he had remained in the grave, it would have meant that the Father didn't accept his sacrifice on our behalf. It wasn't sufficient. But because he was raised from the dead, we have absolute confidence when our trust and faith is in him that our sins are indeed forgiven, paid in full. Verse 7, Jesus says, If ye had known me, uh, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Here the Lord Jesus once again presents uh, to his disciples and to us uh, the fact, the truth of the personal union of the Father and the Son together as one God one divine nature. The same is true of the Holy Spirit as well, though the Holy Spirit is not mentioned here. But uh, uh, Jesus is is affirming again this this uh, union of the Father and the Son as being one uh, of one divine nature. Uh, there, this is a personal union in one divine nature, the Father and the Son. So, in effect, when he says, if you had known me, you should have known the Father also, um, he's, he's basically saying uh, uh, that the Father and I are one. To know me is to know the Father. To know the Father is to know me. And so there is that uh, that union, that uh a necessary, essential union of the Father and the Son uh, in one divine nature, eternal divine nature. And uh, when Jesus says, And from henceforth you know him and have seen him, in verse 7, although Jesus was from his incarnation forward uh, the express image of the Father, uh, the revelation of Jesus and his suffering and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his enthronement in heaven would further reveal the Father uh, to the disciples. And so there would be, henceforth ye know him and have seen him, there would be again a, uh, a knowledge that they would have of the Father uh, through the Son as a result of the work of Jesus Christ. They would come to know the Father in a more intimate way as they witness and as they behold Jesus in fulfilling uh, that which was given to him by the Father to die uh, for the sins of his people, to be buried, to be raised, and to ascend into heaven and to be seated at God's right hand. All of that would give them Even more knowledge of the Father. Verses 8 through 9 Philip saith unto him, Lord, show (coughs) us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? So Philip expresses a desire to see the glory of the Father. He says, Lord, show us the Father. And it's sufficient. It's enough. Just show us the Father. So he expresses a desire to see the glory of God the Father. Jesus here responds with, again, a rebuke, but a very gentle rebuke. And with a claim no creature could make. Uh, no mere creature could make the claim that Jesus makes here uh, that if you have seen me you've seen the Father no angel could say that uh, if you've seen me you've seen the Father no no Christian can say that if you've seen me you've seen the Father only Jesus the Son of God could say if you've seen me you've seen the Father because Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus bears and has the same divine nature as the Father, has the same glory as the Father. Philip should have known this truth uh, by now, (laughs) uh, that uh, to behold Jesus uh, as the divine Son of God is to behold the Father, as God. But again, the disciples as we've already noted, were very slow learners in the school of Christ. But again, as we've seen in past studies, even in the study this evening, Jesus was ever so patient uh, to teach and to guide his disciples even in the same truths so that they that he's gone over with them. You know, many times before, he was patient to go over and to go over these truths with his disciples. To behold Christ's glory with the eyes of faith uh, is to behold the Father's glory with the eyes of faith. In John 1.14, we beheld his glory, the glory of Christ. We beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1:13. He is the, the express image. Jesus is the express image of the Father. It's interesting that Philip was one of the first disciples called by Jesus uh, back in John chapter 1. Uh, there were two disciples of John the Baptist. One of them was Andrew. We don't know the, the, the name of the second disciple there. Uh, it's not given to us, but there were two original disciples. But right after that, um, uh, it says "You know, Andrew went and found his brother Peter, and Jesus then, it says, called Philip, this same Philip, to be his apostle. He, he was one of the the earliest of those called uh, to be an apostle he went and he uh, told Nathanael about Jesus and Nathaniel said can anything good come out of Nazareth you know because Philip had said we found the Messiah we found the Messiah you know the, the one spoken of in the Old Testament we found him in Jesus and uh, and Nathaniel um, questions that, uh, kind of in a, in a derogatory manner. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what does um, Philip say? Come and see. Come and behold him yourself. He is the one. And Nathaniel does uh, before. John chapter 1 is finished, he declares surely, declares Jesus to be the Son of God when Jesus says here um, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father uh, this statement of Lord Jesus is not declaring the Father and the Son to be one and the same person Um, that's modalism Uh, to say that Jesus and the Father are the same person. They're not the same person. They are one God. They have the same divine nature. But they are different persons of the Holy Trinity. And they are eternally uh, three different persons. Uh, They're not, again, as uh, certain groups of people, historically that was condemned as a heresy by ecumenical councils of the past, um, it's, it's affirmed uh, by um, groups uh, today that are oneness, church- you know, oneness churches. Uh, and uh, that's, again, a heresy that's been condemned. It's contrary to what the scripture teaches. Uh, Jesus uh, is not the Father. Um, the Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. Uh, 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 the Father wasn't baptized. It was the Father that spoke as Jesus was being baptized and and then the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Again, these three uh, persons, three separate persons, and yet each one having the same divine nature. And so there, there is an equal glory, power, attributes, divine nature that each one shares uh, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me he doeth the works. Jesus here is again emphasizing the personal union of the Father and the Son in one divine nature. Thus, what Jesus is saying, to hear and to believe what Jesus teaches is to hear and to believe what God the Father teaches. They're not going to be in disagreement because they are in Uh, union, having the same divine nature. They are in personal union, having the same divine nature. They're not going to uh, be contradicting one another. The same truth is going to be coming from the Father and from the Son and from the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Again, I just emphasize Jesus lovingly and patiently condescending to the weaknesses of his disciples. Again, we, we ought to all be farther along than we we are because of the knowledge that God has given to us. And again, the fact that we aren't, we can't condone or excuse ourselves or others because of where we all ought to be. But at the same time I learn a great deal about how to encourage each other how, as a minister, as a pastor, to encourage you. I'm responsible to tell you what God calls you to do and to, to give to you the, the whole counsel of God, uh, not simply parts that you want to hear, but the whole counsel of God. And it's, again, my, my responsibility before Christ to imitate him in the way that, that I communicate the truth to you and the way I deal with you as individuals, as sheep, as an under-shepherd, Jesus being the chief shepherd and the good shepherd of the sheep. And I learn as a minister how I am to treat you by Looking at how Jesus treated His own disciples, with all of their their many weaknesses and sins and failures uh, that uh, that they had fallen into, and and uh, the pride uh, that was in their hearts, and the rebuking of Christ Himself, uh, I I look at all of these things and to analyze just. <laughs> how the disciples, you know, they, they weren't the, the, the cream of the crop. Uh, they, they weren't, you know, the 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 most knowledgeable. They weren't... Uh, Christ didn't go out and find uh, the most holy. He didn't go out and find... He found those who were weak for our encouragement. He found those who were struggling for our encouragement. And he built them up over over years... And even at the time of his death and his resurrection, some were even doubting you know, that he'd actually been raised from the dead. It even says that when he was raised from the dead and he appeared before his disciples, uh, not in, in the room, but they met him in Galilee and they beheld him there. It says many believe that, that, that some believed, but some doubted. Even at beholding Jesus, having been raised, it's the Word of God says some doubted even at that point as they were beholding him. And I, and I, I look at that and I say, Lord, um, if it were not for thy patience with me and upholding me, because I have struggled throughout my Christian life even as a minister, I have my struggles. If God wasn't patient with me, um, I would have fallen away a long time ago. And and again, I, I you know, I simply, um, I find it so so encouraging, and I hope you do as well. But I find encouragement as a minister from the example of Jesus. Uh, who was very clear uh, in pointing out sin, and yet very tender, very uh, gentle in his rebukes. As I said, the most severe, and that was uh, that. as far as recorded rebukes, get thee behind me, Satan, was uh, I think the most severe one that that is recorded there uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, with regard to uh, Peter and one one last thought Jesus uh, says in verse 11 believe me that I am in the father and the father in me that's the, the personal union of the father and the son uh, in uh, the Godhead uh, or else he says believe me for the very work's sake and I just want to end on this note that Jesus is saying, even if you struggle in understanding the union of, of me, Jesus, and the Father by way of God's authoritative word, even if you struggle in that area, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, so believe that that about me. That's what I'm saying. That's what's true. That he says, or else, even if you struggle with that particular doctrine, which is an essential doctrine to believe in the Trinity. But even if you are are struggling to comprehend that, believe the works that I've done, Jesus says. In other words, his his miracles were intended to to confirm uh, what he taught. Miracles... Uh, in the Bible are not just mighty works uh, to show off the power of God um, miracles in, in scripture are given to confirm what God has said and to, to be able to put a stamp and say I'm going to not only declare this to be true but I'm going to per- show that it's true by way of this miracle that is performed as well And so, miracles confirm the Word of God. The Word of God is, again, that which is necessary, essential. God's Word can go forth without miracles. God doesn't have to perform miracles in order for us to believe His Word, but He does, uh, especially in the ministry of Christ and the apostles, you know, Miracles that were performed in the Old Testament. But what we have to, again, be ever so careful of is to look merely to miracles as, as being that which confirms the truth when, in fact, uh, there are lying miracles. There are deceiving miracles that Satan uses. And we always have to go back to the truth in other words, we don't believe simply because a miracle was performed, we believe because the miracle confirms the truth. And if the truth is not that which was spoken by the miracle worker, then we don't accept the miracle as being from God, because miracles are only intended to confirm the truth. In Deuteronomy 13, if someone, Moses uh, writes uh, from the Lord God that if someone prophesies and the matter prophesied comes to pass as it was prophesied, but if that person that made the prophecy leads the people from the truth of God's word, Jesus or God says, do not follow him. He's misleading you. Because though the miracle was true, nevertheless, it was a, it, it, it was a, a lying miracle because it was, again, not based upon and confirming that which was true. Uh, it was intended to lead people from the truth, not to lead them to Christ and the truth. And, uh, and the Lord says in that case, I'm testing you to see whether you love me, whether you're going to follow me, even if someone performs a miracle. Are you going to follow the miracle? Or are you going to follow the truth? Miracles, God is a miracle-working God. God can perform a miracle whenever he wants to do that. I, again, we, we cannot limit God. God. Uh, he's sovereign. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. That's, that's God's prerogative. That's his authority. But he only, he, he, he is not going to call us to follow one who performs a miracle if that person does not speak the truth. If that person is not giving forth the doctrine which we find in scripture, then we are not to follow him or follow her, if that be the case. It's a way of deception. Otherwise, deception by Satan to follow the miracle rather than follow the truth. So let us be warned. Uh, And uh, Jesus says, uh, once again, in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake his miracles, because his miracles confirmed that he was speaking the truth. Let's uh, stand in prayer. Father in heaven, there are many deceivers that have gone out into the world, many who mislead, many who uh, take uh, those who follow them down a path away from uh, the Lord Jesus, away from the good shepherd of the sheep, away from uh, the truth, the doctrine, the worship, uh, the, the government of of Thy Church, uh, down a path, Lord, that uh, has not been recorded for us in Thy holy word. And we pray, our Lord, that Thou would would uh, help us Uh, that we would not be those who seek miracles, uh, who, um, uh, like uh, those who pursue storms, trying to find and record uh, tornadoes and to get as close as they can to being storm watchers. And there are those who similarly are miracle watchers and uh, pursue the miracles. But Lord, that, that is the way of deception. The way of truth is to, is to seek those who proclaim the truth. And God, in his own sovereign authority and wisdom, can supply miracles uh, to confirm that if he chooses to. But, but we do not need miracles because we have thy truth and thy word. And let that be, Lord, our final resting place. We ask, Lord, hear our prayers. Thank you for this word from Thee uh, in, in John 14, even this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.